Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second edition of the Captain's Challenge. Got uh, Kimbo here over in England and Sully over in WA. How are you going, Sully? Yeah, good, mate. Happy Easter, everyone. I hope um, everyone's enjoyed their weekend. And I know it's all a wee bit different, but, yeah, it uh, has been a wee bit different. And obviously, um, gee whiz, I tell you what, you're copping a flogging over there, aren't you, in the UK? It's yeah. Really? Quite you serious. Look, but, yeah, yeah. Mm. When you look at the numbers compared to Australia, I, I know the population's greater over here, but, uh, yeah, maybe we had nearly a 1,000 deaths in one day where you guys mm. are only up to a total of 59 or 60. So uh, yeah, there's a big difference, but hopefully everyone gets through it quickly, mate, and we'll, we'll try to avoid too much talk about uh, about the coronavirus. But um, we'd like to say thank you to our listeners out there. Uh, as we're recording this, we're, we're over 750 listens for episode one. We, I think we might you know, be able to reach um, 1,000 on that. And, uh, yeah, that, that's fantastic. That's a lot more than I thought we'd have. So we really appreciate it. We just encourage people to... To get the word out there, share it on their Facebook and by all the social media avenues and let's see if we can really boost ours up to a couple of thousand over the next few weeks. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. And it's it's great that people are listening, mate. That's the main thing. And um yeah, well, all we're doing is just talking the game. So as yeah. you say, but I just hope I hope everyone's had a lovely Easter. It's been very I tell you what, Kimba. Yeah, it was very hot here in Perth in WA. We had but it hit thirty nine. On yeah. Saturday. That's incredible. Ridiculous. In, in April. Was that the record for an April day? Yes, it was. It broke the, uh, I don't know how many years, but yeah. that's what I heard, mate. But, yeah, I'm a painter, not a weatherman. So, um, no. yep. yeah, but as <laughs> yeah. you say, no, it's very, very good. And as you say, just keep sharing things on the old Facebook and go from there. Mate, yeah. big show, really big show. And I gave you a little job last week to go and resource. And I, yep. I did say to you, find me a bit of a journeyman of, in the Queensland scenario, and you, you definitely found one, didn't you? Yeah, we did, and I, I think our, our other guest as well, it's fair to say he's been a bit of a journey man from one side of the, the country to the other. I think two really good interviews, again, with people who have just got a good story to tell. And, um, yeah, we, we'll tell you who they are. The first one is with uh, Jordan Pereira, who we know started his rugby league career over there in WA with the Willie B. Bears and travelled mm-hmm. to Queensland and now down with the Dragons. And our our other interviewee is Cameron Cullen, who has uh, played 10 NRL games, but he's a bit of a legend in the, the Queensland Cup uh, competition and uh, has a couple of premierships under his belt. And you have a guy who's uh, faced some adversity in his career and uh, two great characters, just the, the way they look at life and the way they go about their business, I think. People will be very impressed with the, the two young men uh, once they listen to the interviews. Yeah, 100%. Um, and you talk, I know Jordan, of course. I don't, I don't know Cameron, but, you know, I, I sort of said during the interview, New Zealand, Samoa, WA, Mackay, and now he's in Wollongong. And he's, as he said, he's a drop, well, he's a, a field goal away from Wynn Stadium. That's where he stays now. But, but he was picked up late. So, yeah, I'm looking, hopefully, people can really enjoy his story because, as you say, he's, um, a very intelligent guy. So yes. he gets hit too, Kimbe, with a new segment. He gets hit with 60 seconds from Sully. So. Yes, mate, some groundbreaking journalism from Sully. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Sterling might have 
Sterlo yeah, might have done it years ago. We're going yeah. the same way. I'm, I'm nearly losing hair like Sterlo, so yeah. I'm all right. Mate, Your nose on, probably on isn't quite as big, but yeah. Oh, my, no, my nose is fine. Mate, on top of the show, I just want to um t- take a little bit of time of everybody. Um, And it hasn't been mentioned, but the, the passing, well, it has over here in Western Australia, but I think it's more, should be Australia-wide and worldwide, well, obviously because of the time this young man, well, man spent in Papua New Guinea. But Val Murphy. Yeah. Yep. Passed away on the 20th of March, 2020, yep. of course, and was buried on the 30th. And the worst thing, Kim, you know, Val's a great man. He was a – 1979, he actually coached them. He, he went over there for work. Yep. Um, and he's also – he's a Western Australian Rugby League Life member. He's an Australian schools Rugby League Life member. Um, he was a principal at Aramore College here in Perth. Yep which back in the days, he just made sure every young player got their opportunity to develop their talents. You had a lot of a lot to do with Val in your time here in WA. And, yeah. Um, mate, it's been it's probably been a little bit overlooked and unfortunately he passed away in this coronavirus scenario. So um, it would have been a massive funeral, mate. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm just, I I'm just hope now when the, the dust settled and, we get back and the NRL WA, they've already named the Val Murphy Trophy, of course, Val Murphy. Yes. Yep. Uh, third grade competitions third grade. named yep. after Val. And it yep. was always lovely to see him every grand final day. He'd come down and he, yeah. he's, he put his, his son always brought him. Yeah, um, he put his Johnny Cash on over the um, over the loudspeaker. Loved his Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I grew up. Mate, when I first arrived in Perth, Val was the man on the – the loudspeaker. I took over after him, basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I just wanted to, yeah, just drop that line, mate. He's, as I say, he was a wonderful man and just a man who loved rugby league. Yeah, his his stories about his time in PNG were, were fascinating, mm. and he was a bit of a trailblazer over there and their their national coach. And he used to tell me his stories about you know flying in a little um, you know, two seater plane to. To get to one of the islands to watch a player or do a camp, and uh, you know, he said it was some of the scariest moments in his life flying in those planes um, over the mountains in in PNG and trying to land on dirt runways and things. And uh, uh, the stuff he did at Aranmore it was mm. was amazing. And you look at some players who came through that system during his time, and there's there's a long list of NRL players that uh, came through that. Aaron Moore program with him, um, and uh, they entered the Queensland Confraternity Shield for a number of years. Aaron Moore mm. College, which that's is, right. You know, unheard of a team from WA going over to compete in you know what is probably the most prestigious schoolboys competition um, in Queensland. That in the Aaron Payne Cup, but uh, you know for the Catholic schools. Um, the confraternity shield is where it's at. It's amazing now how uh, prestigious that competition is. And Aaron Moore did really well over there. Mm. Um, I can't remember. I know one year they they made um, at least the semi-finals from memory. They made a um, final, I think. Oh, I think yeah. they made a final. They yeah. got beaten a final. Right, yep. which is a, an amazing um, feat. And, you know, it's a, a shame that um, they don't do that anymore. Um, but... You know, through that period, the WA State under-18 team was extremely dominant um, in their age group at the 
the national schoolboys in, in their pool. And as I said, um, said earlier, produced a number of um, NRL players, DJ Holdsworth, the Goodwin boys, um, you mm. know, the, the list goes on and on. But um, um, fascinating guy, Val, um, obviously highly intelligent man, but a, a mentor, you know, just used to tell me how it was when other people may not want to tell you what you don't want to hear. And uh, Val just had that aura about him and uh yeah very sad passing both for the rugby league in australia and uh yeah no doubt you know there's people all around the world that uh, know of um val's legacy so yeah such a shame that he didn't get the funeral because of this um isolation stuff yeah. that he would have deserved it would have been one of the biggest ones uh that we ever wouldn't know just thousands of people yeah. he would have influenced in his career Oh, 100%. And, you know, you talk about Aramore. They went, Kim, it was amazing. 2000, they went on a tour to Great Britain. This is yep. a high school in Perth, right? Yeah. 2001, they went to South Africa. Yeah. And I've spoke to blokes, you know, I've got some great friends who were on that tour. and Yeah. Um, it's amazing. But I, I dare say NRL WA will, will do something when it's all back normal and we'll have a weekend or, well, I'll make sure, yeah. actually. We'll, yeah. we'll have a weekend where we honour Val, and yeah. it's a funny story that the last, the World Cup, the last World Cup we had the obviously here in Australia, yeah. and we had a weekend, and I had Ben Ross. Everybody knows Benny Ross, you know, yeah. great bloke. And yeah. Ben and I went and spent um, probably two two and a half hours with Val and Mary at their home. Yeah. And mate, big big Benny loves the story. He just yeah. and yeah. Val's Val's brought all the books out. Yeah, you know, right. all the Papua New Guinea. Oh, mate, it was just quality. It was, it, mm. we were there obviously with the Men of League. Yeah. But it was just, it was, it was really quality. So, yeah. Yeah, it did sadden me, mate. I, and that was the last time I did see Val. So, yeah. Um, it, it did sadden me that, um, yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to pay our respects yes. to a bloke who's a, who's a great man. Yeah, definitely. The next bit, certainly, we, we've had a bit of a chat during the week just about the the different pathways um, in the game at the moment and comparisons between the, the Australian system and the the English system. So uh, mm. it mm. might be time to talk a little bit about those. It's, um, you know, with, with the current break in the game, I'm sure administrators on both sides of the world are rethinking uh, about where the game is headed and how it's currently set up and what changes. You know, this could be a, a big catalyst for for change on, on both sides of the world in not just rugby league, probably fair to say in every sport that's suffer, suffering through this period. But, uh, yeah, I, I've certainly found some in, interesting comparisons um, now, you know, having worked and played and travelled all around Australia and, and now over in the UK. So, um yeah, well, yeah, well, I guess let's just quickly focus on the top level. What changes do you think this might bring to the game, Sally? Yeah, my own opinion, I think clubs will be watching their pennies a bit more. Yep. I think um, if they get a few extra dollars and they won't be, there won't be the need to go and, you know, let's hire five more staff, six more staff. I, I think it'll go, I think I sort of mentioned it last week, I think it'll go back to, the old days where you've just got your 10 main staff and that's where we'll roll. Because you look at some clubs and you go, wow, you know, the roster they've got, is there any need for it? So, mate, I, I just think from the players, 
from the CEOs all the way down, the world's going to change a bit differently. And I think it'll be for the better, you know, me personally. Yeah, but look at the, the system at the moment, and we're just talking at the top at the NRL club level, and we have a business model that wouldn't make any sense anywhere else in, in the world where mm. each club gets a grant of 130% of the salary cap, yet there's mm. only one or two clubs who actually make a profit each year. How that could possibly be sustainable is beyond me. So what it says is that we're, we're paying players too much. We're, no, 100%. Clubs are receiving a grant that's, 130% of the total that they're allowed to spend on the salary gap, yet they still lose money. So it tells you that it doesn't have to be genius to work out that the salary cap's too big and players are getting too much of the pool of money to be a sustainable model. Surely if your club doesn't make money, then you cut costs. You, you cut costs. <laughs> and, <laughs> So you know, that just seems like basic economics and common sense that, well, we don't pay people as much. Um, yeah, staffing's oh. another issue. Like, definitely, you know, staffing is is an issue mm. and, and you can certainly save some big big dollars there just on pure numbers of people employed at, at the club. But, you know, we, we've got to have a look at that salary cap. And to me, that, that will be the first thing that will have to change. You've just got to reduce the amount you're putting out um, because it's not sustainable. If you're not making money, we'll cut costs. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you one thing about it, though. I'm not, bl- I'm not blaming the players. I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm not, well, you take I'm what not, you can get. You take what you get. And their managers and all that, no one's, no one's blaming them in the whole scenario, are they? But the clubs have got to be a bit smarter when we all get back on the field and... When it's all red and white and looking around, they've just got to be a bit smarter. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mate, I just want, I wanted to, I had a thought during the week. I wanted to just talk to you about the Q Cup and the Super League and what you're in now. Obviously, a year last year in Wales. And what's the big difference? Is the professionalism the same? It was interesting to hear, well, we'll hear soon about what Jordan Pereira thought when he first went into the Queensland Cup, thinking it was going to be semi pro, but it yeah. actually wasn't. Yeah. It was professional. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the thing I think in, in Australia at the moment, I think they've got the pathway right. And I guess I'm, you know, I've got some level of credibility there. I've worked in the development part of the game at, well, all, all levels, you know, for over mm. 20 years now. And I've, I've seen things change um, over those 20 years and sometimes the game has got it right and sometimes they haven't. I believe that the pathway in Australia right now is as good as it's ever been where, mm. the you know, you have your 18s representative competitions or 16, sorry, first, our Matthews Cup in uh, New South Wales and um, the uh, Mount Meninga Cup in in Australia and it's 16, in Queensland, sorry, so 16s then, Short-term representative competition, 18s uh, the same, you know, where, where you play nine games in then finals. Um, and then you go back to your own club and, and support your local club. Then 20s, once they went back to the state league competitions, I 100% believe that was the right thing to do. I think the national under-20s 
created a lot more problems um, than it solved. And um, Cameron Cullen actually talks about that in his interview as well to, uh, oh, on this episode. So, um, so I think taking the under-20s back to state level allowed players mostly to stay at home, at, at play that level of footy and, and still have the pathway into uh, the NRL. But the pathway is now more via the 20s into the New South Wales Cup or, or Queensland um, Intrust Super Cup competition. So you get to play a few years with men and then on to an NRL club. And so we're giving players time to develop and hopefully still be somewhere near their family support network. And I, I think mm. that's working well. And the fact that we're seeing players picked up at 22, 23, 24 when they're ready and we know that they're ready, rather than throwing them into the deep end at 19 or 20 and taking them out of home and, uh, you know, really uh, making decisions on them before anyone really knows for sure whether, whether whether they're up to the NRL level. So I think we've got it right. I hope that this coronavirus and the, the postponement of of the or the cancellation of the the second tier competitions for this season i hope that doesn't change the thought on how the setup runs at the moment because i think they've got it right in australia okay over yeah, here yeah, fair I, over here i see some issues and i think there's a couple of reasons behind it so currently in in the uk you know you have your three tiers of semi-professional competitions the league one the third tier, then championship, and then the Super League. We have an academy competition uh, for under-18s teams. That generally, it's a, it's the Super League clubs or the the UK-based ones anyway. Plus a, a couple of the the championship teams have an 18s academy, and even Newcastle, who are a, a third tier League One team, they they have an 18s academy. So we play a full season, 20 rounds plus finals. It's a good quality competition, right? From what I've seen, you know, definitely on a par with the New South Wales SG ball and the, the Queensland oh. under 18s competition. Um, okay. So that part of it's good, but the issue here is under after under 18s, you, you're then straight into senior footy. The academy hmm. was under 19s up until this season when they went and changed it back to under 18s, but they didn't right. put anything in between. So there's no under-20s. What they did come back to now is there's a Super League reserve grade competition. And there hadn't been one of those for a number of years. So basically you're making a call now on players coming out of under-18. So my academy guys, at the end of this season, our, our second year, 18s, the guys who are then going to be too old, the club has to make a call on them whether we're going to give them a, a full-time a contract, contract to go straight into the Super League squad or or possibly a part-time contract to play reserve grade, which means then, you know, they go back to work, they're, they're not in a full-time program and they're, they're going to fall behind the guys in the full-time squad in terms of their development because, you know, they're not doing weights full-time, they're not training full-time, so it's only natural that they're going to fall behind a little bit. The other problem is, I, I don't know where this Super League reserve grade competition fits in. It's a competition mm. of its own so mm. in what would make sense is similar to the Australian one where is if Super League clubs want a reserve grade team then they should be playing in the second tier 
competition, the, the championship, okay, against standalone championship clubs or the other Super League, Super League reserve grade clubs. But we can't yeah. do that because there's this tradition and infatuation over here in all sports of promotion and relegation. So that eliminates any chance of the reserve grade Super League teams actually playing in the true second tier competition. You know, to me, Super League should be a franchise competition like the NRL, that you meet criteria to play in it. If you've got a, a good stadium, if you've got a good junior infrastructure, if there's potential for growth, um, and obviously, you know, the support money-wise is an obvious factor. And you apply for a franchise and it's capped at 12 or 14, whatever the, the RFL or Super League deem it to be. Because we've got this promotion and relegation, then you've got this reserve grade comp, Super League reserve grade. Now, Newcastle, who are a third tier club currently, who are mm. doing everything to try and grow the game and are doing a really good job in Newcastle. They have an academy. They now have a reserve grade team that plays against the Super League reserve grade teams. Now, to me, the Super League reserve grade comp is a higher standard competition than League One. So Newcastle effectively have their first team playing in League One in a lower competition and their reserve grade team playing in the reserve grade Super League. Yeah, exactly. Absolute yep. madness, mate. Madness. So I don't the the pathway there and the structure to me is a bit of a mess. And and mm. a lot of it has to do with this, well, we've got to have promotion relegation. So you look at the London Broncos, you know, fought really hard. We're in, in um the uh, championship, the second tier for a number of years, won the million pound game last year two years ago to get up into Super League in 2019. Were there for one year and now they're straight back down. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. They, I think they should be in the Super League competition if they meet all the criteria and give them a chance to grow their club and grow their the game down there and, and stay up in that level. Toronto may be in the same boat. They, they haven't won a game in Super League this year. We know that they've pumped a lot of money into that club. They're trying to grow the game in a new area and people have got their, um, you know, the anti-expansion people out there who don't want to see them in Super League. But Tough. if they're a new Please. area to the game and they've got money behind them and they can grow our sport and bring new consumers to the game, then let's give them a chance. But, you know, there could be a chance that they're back down in championship next year because of promotion and relegation. That doesn't do yeah. the game any good. The, doesn't. No, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. So I think, yeah, there, there's some different factors in play there for sure, but I see a lot of quality coming through in this under-18s academy competition. You know, the the English academy beat the Australian schoolboys last year. Yeah, well, I, would, I was going to ask you that one, but I was going to do it after we go to one of our interviews, I thought. I thought yeah. that way I, I, can, I can touch base with you after that. I know you, geez, you're steaming, son. I can see you in the video. You are steaming. But honestly, ladies and gentlemen, you've got no idea. The smoke's coming out of his ears. He's fired up. But I reckon we should go to young Jordy Pereira. Yeah. All the, right. the, mate, the Willoughby wizard. Yep. You know, as we said, we're, we're, it's a lovely story. And Jordan's just about to tell you because honestly, mate, he got picked up, to be fair, to be picked up by an NRL club at a 
It was 22-23, I think. What am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, I reckon he was 23. Um, yeah. And really was only in his third, possibly fourth year of, of rugby league, you know, one year of which with the Willie G Bears and then... He which he tells his, us about. How good's that? Yeah. <laughs> then in his second or third year at, at the Cutters. So, um, mm. uh, yeah, it's an interesting story and another guy with with great attitude who, and that has played a big part in where he is today. So we'll we'll cut to that interview now, Sully, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the, the pathways available in rugby league at the moment. So we'd like to welcome on board uh, Jordan Pereira. Uh, Jordan, a former Willie Bears player who came across to the Mackay Cutters and had a year under me um, up there. But it, it all started with a good association with the three of us here because, uh, Sully, you were the man who initially tipped me off about uh, Jordan and his ability. That's when he was, as I said, uh, playing for Willie So um, tell me a little bit of about your time there, Jordan, and we'll get Sully to pipe in and uh, take some credit for your um, career <laughs> as it stands out. But uh, talk, talk to us about your time in Willigin. You Even before then, it was a bit of an interesting road for you because uh, you weren't a, a rugby league player uh, in your early days. Yeah, so um, actually it was um, my failure sort of stint that I had through rugby union that, that took me to rugby league and I had a, I went over to Samoa to trial for the, the Samoa under 20s they have a world cup every year that's their 20s comp because um, I didn't I didn't trial I didn't make the trials for Australia and um, so I went to Samoa to trial and um, three days I made the team the, the squad and then they cut the squad down three days before the world cup in France um, and I didn't make that they cut me. I was one of the three players that got cut. And then I come back to Perth and I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I lost a little bit of interest in the game. And then I had a flatmate um, who just said, come down and play rugby league, just try it out. Um, and then I got heaps of uh, motivation back from that. Um, so that transition to rugby league, I, it was, I played a little bit in high school, um, but it wasn't, I was more, a lot of us were just union players playing rugby league. We weren't really playing rugby league properly. Um, yeah. So when I went to, to um, Willoughby, I fell in love with the game, and that's where um, that's where really like all my passion for not only just the sport, but just trying to become a professional athlete came from. Because I tried to, I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to further my career in 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 that field there. So, yeah, Willoughby was where it all started. What position were you playing? You're playing a bit of back row for them, isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah. Well, um, I didn't really know the rules and and, and all that, so um, they put me in, but but I ran the ball fairly hard, so they put me in front row sometimes. Back row, lock, um, center, um, a little bit of everywhere. But um, I'd always do something that um, the coach was like, oh, "Okay, you can't do that." So we'll put, move you out a little, move you out a little bit further, and then ended up on the wing. And I played wing for for WA. Uh, yep. While well, in the Anzac, the Anzac game there, that's where I first played mm. wing. Yeah. And then um, Kiwis. Yep. yep, yep. And then I stayed there. There's <laughs> been a winger since. So yeah, yeah went from front row to wing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sully, when when did you first? Spot Jordan, and then what was it about him that you, you really took note of? Well, the Willigy Wizard, I'd call him. Hello, Geordie. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, great, mate. Great, mate. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a funny story, Kim, because obviously with Willigy, I think pretty sure Willigy won the reserve grade grand final the year before, and uh, all the Peakman boys and everything mm. like that. I'm pretty sure that was the year, wasn't it, Geordie? But yep. obviously, Justin Barney Nixon. Kimbo and yep. great mate of ours. Well, was the state coach, and we we spotted Geordie playing. And as you say, he played in that City Kiwi game. And then 
went on to play for WA and, yeah, yeah. on the wing. But it was yeah. the meteoric rise. And I, I do remember the phone call you made to both me and Barney yeah. talking about, is there anybody, you know, I'm looking for some outside backs. And we just went, well, as you say, one year of league. And no, he's um, always, nothing's changed. He's always taken everything on board and just, as you, I laugh what he just said then. He's playing in the front row and he, the coach says, well, you can't do that. You can't do this. <laughs> he's, he's still laughing about it. <laughs> well, he, uh, he had the biggest quads in the Perth competition, that's for sure. So don't surprise me uh, that you played a bit of front row, Geordie. And I, I see you, you still put a lot of work into those quads, mate, by the look of it. <laughs> you are the squat king, is that right? Oh, so this, year, this year I've got a few young fellas coming through and taking the title off me, but it's still up in the three hundreds now, which is which is up is there, but really not the or? best, not yeah. the best anymore. Yeah. <laughs> who who at the club gets uh, more than that? Yeah. Uh, I think Tristan, Tristan Sailor. He, he squats about so, the same. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Tarek and and Paul Vaughan, they can get the they can get up um three ten, yeah. I think. So yeah, yeah, they get oh, up there. Uh, Tristan's dad had a fair size of quads. It's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genetic genetic <laughs> advantage there. <laughs> but the um, you then uh, in two thousand the end of two thousand and fourteen we we got you up to Mackay to play in the um, Intrust Super Cup for me and you know a very good first season where the your ability was was definitely evident and the potential to go further I, I do remember one thing up there pretty early on um, in, probably during pre season it was where uh, you made a comment. That stuck with me for a while, and I remember you saying it was when we we pulled you up on something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember you actually saying to me and and Cookie, the strength and conditioner, "Oh man, so many rules." That was that was something you said. <laughs> so many rules. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess though that that's the uh, yeah that's what we're about at that level. It's that introduction to professional footy and understanding yep. then what it takes to. To kick on, and uh, you know, you, you certainly proved to be one of the most disciplined and motivated trainers uh, um, that I saw at that level. It's no surprise that you've now now kicked on. But um, yeah, you don't don't remember that. No, I don't remember comment? saying it, but I'm not surprised because <laughs> I was gonna I was thinking about my time back there and I and like how how that impacted me massively because the transition from from Park Footy to where I was at, where we struggled to get nine players turn up to training at Willoughby. And then we've come to um, Mackay, which I was I was told that it was like a it's a, it's a semi-professional environment. But that's the competition, but I didn't I thought it would be semi-professional, but it's not. It's really professional. The whole the whole Intra Super Cup in general, and uh, every club I'm sure will be similar. But they take it as if it's like every every game's grand final. Um, you're treated as athletes, but I was working in a supermarket. You know what I mean? So it's like it was very. It was very eye-opening for me, but it also um, put me in in the direction of of the, like the right path to to get me where I am here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a tough gig for a player at that level because, as you say, we try and make it as professional a training and learning environment as possible, but uh, we don't pay you enough to make it a full-time gig. So, like you say, you're out working, and uh, you know some of those guys are. Uh, tradesmen or labourers and they're out in the sun uh, for 8, 10, 12 hours and then they come to train and then we flog them for another two or three hours. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's it's tougher than an NRL gig where, yeah, at least at full-time professional level, you can concentrate 
solely on being a professional athlete. So it's a really solid grounding, I think. And I think it also just makes you appreciate, um, you know, the life of a full-time professional when when you've come through a, a a tough pathway where, where you've had to do those hard yards and that that's probably becoming the more accepted pathway these days with you know no under 20s at national level so you know it's more common now you get picked up 23 24 years old so how, how old were you when you when uh, you got the st george contract i was 24 i was 24 yeah mm. they picked me up on june 30 yeah so i was that's right yeah yeah, yeah, mid, midway through that two seventeen season. So, yeah, obviously a couple of years up there at Mackay, no doubt, and and then obviously have to get down to Wollongong, mate. That was a bit of a story, wasn't it, I believe, Jordan? Take a little bit uh, of a drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 um, girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she did most of the driving. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a big it was a big drive. They um, obviously on June thirty didn't have a lot. For it to go through, but then I didn't have a JP available because I only had two hours to find a JP. So it was a big, it was a big day. But we ended up packing and leaving straight away because they said I didn't have to get there until um, they had a bye weekend. So they just said no rush, just get here when you get here. But I was, <laughs> I was straight on the, I packed up the my bags as quick as anything and got down there as soon as I could. Twenty six hours it took, but yeah, it was. Oh. Um, I probably did six hours of that driving. <laughs> my, my wife probably did twenty. <laughs> Uh, nice well, Kim, Kimbo yeah. and Jordy, they always reckon there's always a good memory out of Queensland, don't they? <laughs> always a good memory. But Jordan's best memory is obviously his wife because he met Sarah when he was in Mackay, didn't he? So yeah, great sure memories did. there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. She was, she was influential in my um, my career. Not so many people were, but, um, you know, she did a lot to, to get me um, here as well as um, what my coaches have done and, and obviously – what I would have had to do to physically to get there and that, but um, she did a lot. Yeah, but the um, you, you've now played, I believe, twenty three games uh, with the Dragons uh, across. Um, is this coming into your third season now? There, is it your third? Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. This will be my my third season in first grade. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and the uh, half season, the one before. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there has been some highs with the lows. You got to play finals footy in your, your first um, year. They got two finals games, including a great win over the Broncos. Um, mm. But then uh, last year, you, you had, you know, I would imagine, one of the lowest points where you, you got a pretty serious injury that was, you know, touch and go there for a while, whether you might return with, with some nerve damage. Can you, can you talk us through that? Give us the details, mate, and where. You know, is it a hundred percent now? Will it ever be a hundred percent? Yeah, so that was a tough. That was a tough gig. Um, it was definitely the lowest point of um, my career. Not only the injury, but prior to that was um, mm. three or two games before that I got dropped from from the NRL, and um, it was something that I thought of, uh, I didn't think was going to happen at the start of the season. I thought that that was that was my spot. I earned it. And it's my jersey, but obviously it's it's a performance based um, industry, so you can't just um, take the take the jersey for granted, and which isn't what I did. But um, it, you know, I had a, a couple, I strung together a few poor performances and ended up getting dropped, and uh, that was hard to deal with. But I, I took um, took through reserve grade with a good attitude because I've been there, I've been there before. I'd, I'd started my career there, and, and um, I knew I know what it's all about. I know you can't slack off when you drop back, and I've been. In a team where NRL players have dropped back and they've had the the bottom lip drop as well, and as a teammate, that that really um, 
you know, rubbed off on me poorly. So I didn't want to be that guy. So I went back with lots of enthusiasm and um, tried to take like a bit of a leadership role back, which is something I've never really done. Um, but uh, yeah, ended up, I would go for a try and um, got tackled mid, mid, mid air and sort of landed awkwardly on my neck, which was damaged my brachial plexus, uh, which is ner- uh, a nerve. Um, and I didn't, tear it if I tore it then I wouldn't have an arm and I wouldn't have enough functionality in that um but bruising which is um which was really good news um but even with bruising they said they don't know how long it'll take to get better it was so weak that I couldn't even pick up a glass of water and drink it the the cup was too heavy for me to lift um but um it's slowly coming back it's not a it's not a hundred percent um I can't um I can't lift as much as I could in, in the gym not even anywhere close with that arm. Um, but on the field, I just hold the ball with that arm. And as long as I do that, uh, it'll, I'll be fine. So I won't need to, I don't, I don't notice it as much on the field, but I definitely notice it in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, must have been pretty challenging times mentally dealing with that. And, uh, you know, when you come such a long way and put everything on the, on the line to, to get to where you were and then be faced with, yeah, that possible reality that that might be it. Um, imagine they were pretty dark days there for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I could have walked. I, honestly, if I did lose my arm and I walked, I could have walked away from the game really proud. Um, yeah. Oh. Obviously, um, obviously, just just really grateful to have got, um, gotten gotten the opportunities that I'd gotten. And um, so, uh, although like it was mentally hard and I was disappointed, it was my first in, first bit, like injury pretty much. Um, I was still happy with with um with with the work that I put in in the game, and I knew that like I didn't take any shortcuts, and if I had yeah. to walk from away from the game, then I I could do it in in high speed. So that's all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like the way Kimba. I like the way he just said I I just scored a try. I've seen vision of that try. Mate, yeah. You're four foot in the air. You're trying <laughs> to go over the top here. You wonder why you nearly snapped your arm off. And I tell you what, though. Let's be honest. You did score the try too. Yeah, yeah, they awarded it. Yeah, they awarded it. I don't know if I scored it, but they awarded it. <laughs> the, um, it's, yeah. You started this year really well, mate, and um, showed you know you were back to to your best with a, a performance in the last trial game where you were standout with four tries, and you know that no doubt went a long way to securing your your spot for round one. Uh, is that the first time you've scored four tries in a match? Uh, not in reserve grade the year that I got the year that I debuted. Uh, I think like four games before my debut, I, I got, got lucky and yeah, got got four in, in that game. It was that was a good one. I had my wife's parents coming down to watch, so we had a big family yeah. day, and it was, oh, it was pretty good to get four four in the four over the line. I think it was against um, Tiger the Tigers reserve grade team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that was the that I have. It's always good to the ball down but yeah I had some some pretty master class plays that were set up and um, so I can't take all the credit yeah. <laughs> Sam, Sam's <laughs> younger brother put me away so yeah, as you'll yeah. know the um the enforced layoff now like how has that changed uh your daily routine I assume like everyone's had a had a massive change but uh what what's your what's a typical day look like for Jordan Pereira at the moment um, well, we've got in our our club's been really good at staying connected through um, social, uh, well, through a WhatsApp group, and um, yep. usually our WhatsApp group is just there's, there's a players one, and then there's like a performance one where they where they uh, a separate one. But this this 
this particular one that I've done for, just for isolation has got the entire club together. So I've got the physios in there. There's every, everyone is in there, the, the uh, media guys in there, the um, guy that cuts up the videos in there. So and we're all just um, keeping tabs and we've got to post in there, some, whatever we're doing each day just to keep us on, um, keep us active and keep us doing stuff. So every day I'm with, um, my wife and I have committed to just a 5K walk every day. That's just the basic. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll make sure that we bang that out. And it's... Um, and then on top of that, then I'll go and do do my run, and then I'll, I'll do my weights, and um, then I'll have the day off the next day. But we'll still do the walk, and yeah, it's it's, and then I'll probably sit on the PlayStation for a few hours and watch a few movies, and well, so that's all in there as well. But I mean, there's 24 hours in a day, and you can't train for that long, so we've got to be keeping ourselves busy somehow. Yeah, yeah, it does challenge it, doesn't it? So it gets you, I guess, a little bit focused on the life balance uh, thing as well. It probably you know, some time to think about uh, the important things in life. And uh, like you say, you can't train all day, every day. So, um, you know, there's certainly some positives, I think, in this. And, um, you know, hopefully we all come out of this um, better people in some ways. You know, I mean, just find that balance, which is really important for a, a professional sports person, I think. Um, so, um, the, you know, the talk now is of a possible May 28th return. Um mm. No one knows for sure. There seem to be some um, hurdles being put up every day around that, and the, the talk changes every day. But uh, um, you know, if that is the the case, um, has that been spoken about? You know, from within the club, uh, they've said um, that well, we should be. They said that they'll they'll give us a date where we'll be back training. They said um, after Easter, so hopefully tomorrow we'll find out um, yeah. if we're back training um, and what date that'll be. Um, but they've just said from before the state was set, um, they said that we should stay ready for it to be this weekend at all yeah. times. So um, we're doing our best to make sure that if they say it's in May, if they say it's you know tomorrow, we're we're ready. If it's yeah. September, we're ready. Whatever it is. Yeah. What What do you think, just personally, if if they give a date, what, how long do you think you need to get back together as a team to do a, a mini preseason? I guess to to be ready to go again? Are we talking two to three weeks or a month or six weeks? What, what's your thoughts on that? I reckon at the very, very least three weeks. Yeah. At the very least. Um, mm. uh, ideally four. I think four would be a good number. Um, yeah. okay. we, usually, we usually meet up four to five weeks before Christmas for our preseason. Yeah. And by by the time we hit Christmas, we're, we're usually at our peak. Yeah, um, we'll have the Christmas break and then we'll get it get a little bit back and then it'll wind down from there. The, the yep. intensity, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. Yeah, it is actually because um a lot of people have said two, haven't they, to three, and now Geordie himself feels like yeah, just that extra week. But um, yeah. I tell you what, Kimba, you mentioned earlier, it's been a journey, hasn't it? New Zealand, Samoa, Western Australia, Mackay, Wollongong. He signed mm. on till two twenty one at yeah. the Dragons. At the end of two twenty one. So, what will happen next? And rep footy, Kimbo. I know you want to ask Geordie about this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we have spoken about it before, Jordan. You, you've um, got the English heritage as well through your mother's side of the family, and they, you yep. have publicly said that you'd be um, you'd be keen to to uh, pull on the Test jersey for England. Um, is, is that still a thought to play over here? And Remembering, I am at Huddersfield Giants here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll, I've, I'm definitely keen to come, come to the UK at some stage, um, 100%. But international footy, like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to play rep footy. Um, 
but like I said, like um, everyone's always asking me, like who would I choose? And I think it's more the question is who's going to choose me because <laughs> I play. I just want to play. I just love playing footy, mate. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm exactly like uh, if you if we could talk percentages, I'm and you divvy it all up. I'm pretty much even to across all those um, all those nations. So it'd be hard to sort of. I'm not more one than the other, yeah. so whatever. Yeah. I'm happy to play play either or. But yeah, I just got to I just got to put the performances in, and hopefully yeah. I'll get picked. Yeah, but yeah, so I'd love to come to the UK. At the end of this current contract, do you how old would you be? Twenty eight. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Still plenty of time then, mate. All right. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know if I'll still be on the wing. I might work my way back into the front row. Yeah. <laughs> into the front row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have So, um, my dad, that's been um, fantastic talking to you. And, and it's good again, just hearing you're very similar to Chance Ingle Coxad, who we interviewed last mm-hmm. week, in terms of your your outlook and your, your appreciation of things and your, your, um, your, your positive outlook on life. And I've you know, I said last week that's a common characteristic trait to people who go on to have successful careers. So it's great to see you doing well down there, and uh, you're down in God's country in Wollongong. There couldn't be a better place to live. But uh, be- before we go, we're introducing a new segment oh. this week. So you're the guinea pig, mate. But we're, we're having 60 seconds with Sully. High pressure questions, <laughs> answers. So um, um, we'll see how you go, mate. If we fail badly, we may never do this again. So no pressure. Yeah, I'm, glad but, uh, <laughs> I'm glad it's at the end, so it's not too hard to edit out if it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, mate, you will smash it. You will absolutely smash it. Um, so here we go. 60 seconds with Sully, with Jordan Pereira. Question one, favourite holiday spot? Queenstown, New Zealand. Favourite other sport? Basketball. What can't you live without? My PlayStation. <laughs> Favourite food? KFC wing. <laughs> Favourite non-NRL competition and a team from that competition? Uh, NBA and the New York Knicks, and they are terrible. There you go. <laughs> the last one, if you were down to your last $50, what would you spend it on? Uh, 50 bucks. Gee. Uh, oh, I couldn't. Uh, probably more KFC wings. I'd yeah. I'd, get, I'd fuck up. They can you can freeze them in all sorts. So. <laughs> well, Jordan Prayer, thanks for spending sixty seconds with Sally. <laughs> thanks, mate. Did well, mate. I think you, we'll you do that questions. again. Yeah, you did well. <laughs> no, no, that was sixty seconds. Oh, was yeah, it? Don't oh, take good. long. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Good uh, well done, mate. Well, thanks again. Um, only show number two for us here. So um, we, we really appreciate your time. And uh, as I said, mate, you've got the, the, um, the outlook on life and the, the appreciation of uh, your opportunities that I, I think will hold you in good stead. And yeah, you're only a couple of years in, mate, but it's still the best of you to come, I've got no doubt. Ma'am, we mm. may see you over mm. here in England. At some yeah, stage, um, no. just how that pans out. But mate, all, all the best. You know, it looks like we're definitely getting back on the season, at, uh, back on the paddock at some point this season, which is fantastic. And hopefully, it is May twenty eighth, mate. And look forward to seeing you score a few more of those meat pies. All right, thank you. Thanks, for having me on. Thanks, thanks as well. Good and to as you know, place. mate, I'm still I'm still in Perth, and everybody sends their regards. Take care. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone at the NRLWA. All right, take it easy, guys. Hi, mate. Thanks, Joey. Hey, Sully, Jordan Pereira. Maybe 
handles himself very well. He's an intelligent, intelligent guy, um, Jordan, and uh, got his head well and truly screwed on and very appreciative of the opportunities he's been given. Right? And, uh, yeah, you were the one who spotted him, or you and um, Barney. So, um, mm. you know, yeah, take some credit there, mate. You've got a couple of good ones for me over the years. Yeah, no, and to be fair, as I said, Barney was wonderful with him too, coaching the WA side and that. I think it was 2.14. Could have been 2.13, but I'm pretty sure it was 2.14. But, um, yep. yeah, Barney can spot one as well. Justin Nixon, of course. But um, as I said, it's sort of a real journey, wasn't it? New Zealand, Samoa. I love the Samoa story. Yes. You know, trying to make the, the World Cup for the 20s and got yep. cut and yeah. said, I yep. just want to play a bit, again, a bit of fun. So he ended up with Willoughby and, yep. you know, and then – Obviously, Mackay with you and now Wollongong and who knows where it leads, mate, because um, 27 years old, he's done really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you said, he did hit the ground running this year after that horrific neck injury. And yeah. it was bad, Kim. Oh, the the, 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 the video of it's not good. No. As you say, he no. scored that four tries. and But, yeah. yeah, no, he's a good lad, isn't he? And he handled the 60 seconds with Sully easily. He did. High pressure, that was, right? So, yes. Mate, we may keep that in each week now. He did a good job. <laughs> Absolutely. Mate, just before we went to Geordie, you know, we were just talking about that, obviously, you're coaching in that under-18 scenario, the academy. And yep. as you said, go back to 2018, the England Academy beat the Australian schoolboys, which is amazing to think. I know it was in England. It yep. was December, December 2018. And, you look at this Australian backline now. The, the backline played there. You got Steve Crichton, Bradman Best, Jock yep. Madden, Tom yep. Dearden, yep. just names to mention that yep. played for Australia. Now I don't yep. know how many yep. players have burst out of the that academy side and are playing now Super League rugby league in England. Yeah, I'm not not sure. It's something mm. I can look into for next week. But uh, yeah, you know that Australian backline just about all have kicked on to to play NRL and. They got they got done over here. So the game in that respect, you know, looks looks healthy. As I've said, I've been impressed with the standard of the academy competition over here, and I I like the the structure of it. And I so at the Giants, the way the academy is structured, I think it's pretty typical of most of Super League clubs with their academy. So all of our boys, so college over here, it's basically year eleven and twelve of Australia. Um, our guys in our program do what we call a BTEC program um, at, at college, and 18 of our 24 kids all go to the same college to do this BTEC course, which is in Australia, it's, um, I forget what they call it, but it's basically where you do a qualification um, while you're at school. So these guys are getting a, a level three sports qualification, basically a diploma. Okay? So it's a two year right. course. So um, so I guess, you know, it's like a TAFE qualification in Australia. So um, so they're all doing that together. They're, you know, Monday through to Friday, or they get Thursdays off, but um, they do their school hours, nine till two o'clock as a general thing. Then they come and train with us at the Giants as part of their uh, program. So it's great in that we're able to control, I guess, the amount of training they get, they're getting. And one of the issues I I know is a problem in Australia. And let's say a Sydney talented schoolboy rugby league player. Now, he might be going to a scholarship school, you know, maybe a Westfield sports high or something like that. And because he's on scholarship, you know, the 
that school will say, well, you're a school player. We want you to play every game for us. We want you to do every training session with us. But then he might be playing for, you know, Parramatta um, SG Ball. And they're saying, well, you've got to come to training with us three or four times a week. We want you to yeah. train every session with us. You're a Parramatta yeah. heel. You'll play yeah. every game for us. And he gets selected in schoolboys rugby league and he might play for, you know, CHS trials and make the CHS yeah. team. Then he might make Australian schoolboys. And all of a sudden, he's played 50-plus games in a year and everyone wants their pound of flesh from him. And everyone wants to, them him to be training at all their sessions and be seen as, you know, their player, whether it's the school team, the club team or or the rep team. And the loser out of all that is quite often the player. And he gets burned out and he's he's getting pulled two, three, four different ways. And he, he doesn't, um, in the end, he doesn't get what the balance that's best for him. So over here, we, we're able to avoid that with the current system where you're in this academy program, you know, we, we're helping you with your academic pathways. And, um, yeah, we're sort of overseeing all that as the Huddersfield Giants or the Wigan Warriors or the, you know, Allens, whoever it may be. So they're not getting overtrained. Um, no, nah, that's true. And that's the key. That's yeah. what you just said. But you've just said that perfectly because yeah. you've got club land, rep land, yeah. and then they go another level and they're just, they're smoked, mate. These yeah. kids are smoked. Yeah. But I, I remember they did some research on it. It's probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit now with, a young guy at the time called Ben Jones, who was a oh, yes. standout yes. Queenslander in the under-15s. and um, um, Went to the Roosters. Was with the Roosters. And, and I ended up coaching Benny. He came to Mackay in my final year there. And a, a great guy. But I remember the research, and he played 55-odd games in one season there when you combined all his junior rep stuff, his club stuff, his schoolboy stuff. And mm. that that's... That's nearly three times what an average player would be expected to play in a season at club level. But we're talking the highest elite level, junior rugby league, and he's, mm. you know, his body and his mind goes through all that pressure within one year. That you know, And I think that opened a lot of eyes in what's really happening here. And, you know, you wonder why players walk away from the game at 16, 17, 18 when they've, They've had a taste of that really high level and then all of a sudden they've had enough. And, you know, that, that's the evidence or all you need right there. Too much footy, um, too quickly. And Emma, funny, and I hadn't thought of it until now, but this could be interesting with a lot of these kids having, mate, honestly, I don't, I, yep. we don't know how many will play this year, do we? No. So all of a sudden, and it's such an important, I'm involved with 15s and I'm shattered that the this week, this week we were supposed to go to Caratha and have the Western Australian State Championships. Yep. We were taking the game to Caratha, and everyone knows how far away is it. It's a 17-hour yep. drive from from Perth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we were going there to do it, and it was all coming along. And I've got some, you know, wonderful kids that involved in our side yeah. that would have went up there and represented, mate, all of them. But now that might just give their bodies a chance to just develop that little bit as well. So, yeah. But a player yeah. that... Kimbo, a player that you know and you talked about this and this age group, a player that's been around for a long time in the Queensland Cup and also played in the NRL is our next guest, isn't he? Yeah, Cameron Gullins, a, a 
good friend of mine that's, um, you know, it's one of the great things about any sport. You meet some great quality people along the way. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was coaching Cameron when he had probably the biggest challenge in his life with the passing of his of his brother. Um, mm. And he, it was only 12 months after that where he was at the very highest point of his career in debuting for the Gold Coast Titans. So he's got a great story to tell. And uh, another guy with just the greatest attitude, so positive, um, and he's got that can-do attitude that got into into the NRL. He's now back in the, the Intrust Super Cup, and he's, he's a perfect example to me of uh, making, again, most of the opportunity, but then finding what's right for you in life. And he, he's got a good business up and running with his image property group. He puts back into the game, runs an academy for kids. He's, uh, you know, he's one of the very best players in that Intrust Super Cup. He's got two premierships to his name and and a young family as well. So he's just happy in all aspects of his life. It's a great interview, and so we'll cross to it now. Okay, our guest today, um, a young man who I coach um, for nearly a season or half a season at the Mackay Cutters and uh, um, has gone on from there to um, break into the NRL in 2016 and then uh, win two Intrust Super Cup premierships as well with two different clubs. So uh, a very nice career developing and um, I'd like to welcome aboard Cameron Cullen. Thanks for having me, Kim. Good to talk to you, mate. It's been a little while, but um, I know probably since we last um, saw each other face-to-face, there's been a lot happening in your life and uh, we'll, we'll get to that um, life balancing that you've, I think you've really got the handle on. But we'll start at the beginning, mate. You were um, schooled at the, the famous PBC, Palm Beach Corumban Rugby League uh, school down there. Who, who was the main coach there at, at that time? I had a couple. The one that sort of brought me through was, was Zimo, Aaron Zimmerly. Yep. I had a, had, a, yep. had a lot to do with him. I think he, he coached me in year eight, but Obviously, they're they're there the whole way through. So um, yeah, had a had a had a real lot, and I still he's one of the blokes I still um, touch base with, you yeah. know, re- regularly. So yeah, so I'd say Zimo was probably probably the main one there when I was coming through. Yep, he uh, went on to be heavily involved in the schoolboys, um, and then coached Tweed Heads for uh, yeah. reviews in the in the Queensland Cup. Um, you got picked up by the Broncos. Was that? What was the timing on that? Was that straight out of school or were you still at school? I, so I, I actually um, sort of took the initiative and made the inquiries because when, when I was a junior, I was obviously in the Titans sort of system, the Gold Coast system, and yep. I, I ended up venturing north as like a 13-year-old so that, I could, so that I could get up and be in the Broncos system and start yep. doing their EPD development stuff. Yep. So I was actually with the Broncos from a 13-year-old and um, – all the way through, sort of like I got to 15 when we had the national 15s comp, and I signed a two-year deal with them that so, that took me to sort of year 12 and schoolboys. And then when I made the schoolboys team, I then signed another, I think, three-year deal, which took me through 20s and into into my first grade pre-seasons with them. Yep, you uh, you played Australian schoolboys and uh, did a tour of the UK. Is that right? Yeah, yep, we're, yep. We were one of the lucky ones that. We, that Fell in the year that you go, you tour the UK. Yes. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Eh? It was a great, great experience as a as a seventeen year old. Yeah. Uh, who were some of the players in that team, mate? And who was the coach at that time? It's the um, 
Brendan Barlow is a coach. Yep. Um, some of the players, like we had a we had an awesome group. We had like Clemmer, Tedesco, Jack Whiten, um, uh, Michael Cheekham. We had we had heaps of lads that have sort of kicked on and and yeah. and kept going through, like Tao Tao yep. Moga. But some of the you know some of the ones I guess you know it's a story I tell all the time to people. James Tedesco was a was like bench for that team. Yeah, okay. And he got beat, sort of beaten out for the fullback spot by a couple of blokes. And I just, I, I seen what he went away and did that that preseason and absolutely ripped in and come back and was the fullback for the Tigers under twenties. And then he's the yeah. best player in the whole game now. So yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty cool. That's a fair call. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Some players, you know, some players that don't have to be the best in NRL players didn't necessarily play any junior rep footy so um yeah it's it's a bit of perseverance and a bit of timing and um yeah some guys develop later than others so um yeah it's a good lesson for the young guys to to learn you um you then uh yeah you had a couple of years with the broncos didn't didn't break into the first grade team so it was um then into the the queensland cup or the intrust super cup um what was the process there mate what what teams have you you played for in the Queensland Cup, so I went. I went. Um, yeah, I was at Broncos. I did two two NRL preseasons at the Broncos, and I was sort of shuffling between hooker and halfback um, at the time, and probably predominantly was playing more nine. Which and and I sort of always saw myself as a seven, so that was another thing that I wanted to sort of do. And yeah. I was stuck behind um, Corey Norman, Ben Hunt, um, Jakey Granville was the nine, and. Macca obviously was the nine actually and, and Granville was sort of he was sort of eighteenth man, so he wasn't really getting a crack at that stage either. So yep. was stuck behind some pretty good halves and hookers and just couldn't get a crack. So I made the decision to um to venture up north. That the back end of that year I played that's when I debuted in Cup for the Dolphins, which was I think yep. two thousand and fourteen. Yep. Um and I played the, the 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 last half of the season in Queensland Cup with the Dolphins as a nineteen year old. And then I sort of got to the point where, you know, I went, I went in and asked the Broncos, had a good chat with the Broncos. I sort of knew that, you know, things weren't progressing there and I decided to yep. go up and do, and do the pre-season with the Cowboys. That's right. That's when we signed you then at, um, at Mackay. And yep. uh, I, yeah, I look back at that season and we were, we were sitting second most halfway through the year and uh, within a week I, I lost my two best players and uh, – you know, of course, yours was to a, a real tragedy with, with the passing of your brother. And um, and the same week, I lost Michael Seo to uh, Wakefield in the Super League. And, yeah, we pretty well fell apart from there, it's fair to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, what, what I learned, you know, both the, yourself and Michael had standing players, but you, you're both winners, you know, and you, you really brought that winning attitude to our club. We, we'd won the Premiership in 13, but... Yeah, we we fourteen was a tough year, the the big changeover of players and uh yeah, we got that winning feeling back in that first half of the, the two thousand and fifteen season. That was um you know, you played a, a huge part in that. But um you know, yeah, just a tragedy, mate, and we we probably, you know, touch on it because I want I want people to understand the the setbacks that you've had in your career and the the incredibly positive attitude that you've shown to, to come through that. So do you want to talk about that briefly, mate? Yeah, so firstly, that that actually venturing up north, I think it was something that, that 
um, would sort of change my change my career anyway. Like I, I got to go up and do a, do a full preseason under Jonathan Thurston as a seven, and then I came back to you obviously as a seven, and I was the sort of dominant half, and it really got to develop my game as a halfback. So. Yep. That was a really good move for me as a as a rugby league player. Um, but then, obviously, um, what with what happened with my brother passing away, it was a massive life lesson. Like I'd always been, you know, like I said, a kid that was signed from the age of thirteen, and sort of always rugby league was my job, and was always very comfortable. I had the best yep. Palm Beach Crumman, best school, and you know, really close family growing up. So I was one of the probably lucky ones that had a really, really good childhood. I know some people aren't, aren't as lucky as that. So yeah. I was really blessed with my childhood. So that was probably the first time I'd faced um, something like, you know, so much adversity. And for me, it was just the the worst kind, you know what I mean? Like I lost mm. someone that was that close to me. Yeah. So it was sort of like a big punch in the face straight away. Like I had to really, um, you know, it was a massive lesson for me. And I already, you know, I've said it to you a couple of times how – you know, obviously, you, you you came came down and came to his funeral, and just the way I was treated, like I, I could see how genuinely you cared you cared for me as a player, and that you know it's a really good feeling. It's something that I tell other people that it's not all about rugby league. It's it's you know it's about life, and it's about um, developing you as a person as well along the way. So yeah, yeah, mate that 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 taught me um that taught me a hell of a lot as as a person. It probably took me a long time to actually. Like you said, right now is probably the best I've been in my life in terms of work-life balance and um, yep. positivity. Like just the way I sort of my outlook on life at the moment is just awesome. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of time to get to that point because you spend a couple of years, um, you know, just grieving and just trying to get over something like that, and then and then you sort of have to rebuild because you develop all these bad habits and all these coping mechanisms, I guess. Um, yep. And then you've got to go back through that and go, well, hang on, you know, that's not you, you know, you know what you are as a person and get back to what you were sort of, what you've always been. And for me, I've sort of completed that journey and now, um, yeah, I'm sort of grateful, really grateful for the journey I've had, like, like being able to play NRL and be able to become the person I am today. I'm there too. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am now had I not have gone through all that. And it's sort of yeah. really hard to, it's hard to look back on it at the time and know that it's going to make you a better person because you'd just rather it not happen at all. But when you get to, I guess, a stage where you're pretty content and um, you're you're in a good headspace, it's yep. easier to look back now and know that that sort of that journey's made me who I am today. Which you know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm happy with where I'm at for sure. Yeah. I don't no doubt. I think uh, it's the way you coped with that and. Uh, yeah, I remember at that funeral, not just the amount of people there, but the, you're right, the genuine care and respect that was shown to you. It's a, you know, a testament to the, the person you were then and even more so to the person you've become. So, you know, out of the very lows in life, the, the biggest challenges quite often become, you know, some very positive results. And that's no doubt um, the, the case of you and the person you've become. And, you know, if we... we just go forward, really. You know, less than twelve months after that, the, the next year he became one of his best. Where he ended up uh, debuting for the Titans and winning a, a premiership for Burley, and uh, you know, this is all within twelve or eighteen months of the the biggest low point in your life. Um, yeah, to bounce back like that, mate, that must have been uh, something pretty special for him. 
Hey, that, that was the that was the weirdest, most bizarre year of my <laughs> life, eh? Because, like I said, when um when you go through what I, like what I went through, I, I I actually didn't train. So when I left you, the last yeah. the last field session I done would have been with you, and I reckon I had four months off. Like I reckon yeah. I I lost all sort of you know motivation to actually be fit, be healthy, to play. I, I didn't even know if I was going to play footy again. Um, I was just in such a bad headspace. And the only reason I did is because that Burley coach, Jimmy Lenahan, yeah. he, he coached my brother in A grade. And yeah. he rang me and said, mate, I heard you're back on the coast. Are you, are you keen in coming down and having a run? And I was like, I hadn't even thought about it to that point. And then I went down there and my first session, we did a one kilometer fitness test around an oval. Yeah. And I was dead I was dead last by about, yeah. I reckon, 100 meters. And yeah. he was just looking at me going, what the is going on with you so i was like you know and, and I, I remember running that just going what am i doing like you don't even want to be here man like yeah. what are you doing I, I kept going slowly very slowly i kept going and um just the way things fell into place after that like um kane lg done his acl and yeah. i got a phone Sorry. call from neil henry and i thought it was a g up dead set thought <laughs> that it was it was one of my mates g me up and yeah. Sure enough, it wasn't. He got me into do a training trial, and that sort of flicked the switch for me. I had six weeks and yeah. just ripped in, and I, I couldn't have played two better trial games. Like we played the last trial game, we played up against a full strength Rabbitohs team, which was you know Inglis Burgesses, and I and I had a great game. We only played yeah. half a game, but I, but I scored a try, I set up a try, and they signed me for a year straight after that. And then it was only round four, and I was I was making my debut, and I I was I was in such a bad place off the field, like. Yeah. Um, some real, really bad habits emotionally. I was, I hadn't, I just thrown everything under the, under the yeah. carpet and just sort of yep. tried to carry on. And I was, I was in such a bad place off the field, which is why it was so surprising that all of a sudden, even though I was in the worst mindset, the worst, like probably not even a good physical condition. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I'm making my debut, which is something that I've tried to do my whole life and couldn't, yeah. even though yeah. I was, I was in the best <laughs> mindset and I was as fit as I could ever be. Yeah. And I could never crack it. And all of a sudden, I'd sort of half given up on the dream. I was I was a mess mentally and stuff. And then I've just given a jersey. So it was it was crazy the way it worked out. But it was like, you know, it was sort of just one of those, you know, one of those crazy moments in life where you just you just take it with both hands. And yeah. I, I tried, to make, I tried to make every game I played, you know, I tried to take the opportunity and play as best as I can and yeah. so that I could, you know, stay there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, life is so much about timing and opportunity and making the most of it. And uh, you end up playing five games that year. You won won the grand final with Burley, beating Redcliffe. Who two years yeah. later you would you would win a premiership with. But uh, then off to Manly, and you, you had another five games there. The um, did you have two years at Manly, maybe, or just the, the one? I had I had about a year and a half because yeah. I left I I left my deal early to go back to the to the um, Dolphins. Yep. Okay. And uh, I guess an interesting side point there. Just you know, I'm over in England now, and the, there's a bit of interest over here. Your, your halves partner for a fairly long time in that uh, in the New South Wales Cup for Manly was Jackson Hastings, who's you know now come on and leaps and bounds and uh, got the the Man of Steel award over here last right. year. So um, um, yeah, my dad. That's you know interesting. Two quality players who. Um, who were, were stuck in New South Wales Cup for for most of the year, but uh, how, how did Manly end up finishing that year in New South Wales Cup? You played finals or not? 
No, we didn't. We just missed, I think, for, for Blacktown that year. But um, we, yeah, it's, it's one of them ones with New South Wales Cup because you have so many players going up and down and up yes. and down. So it's very, it's, it's very inconsistent. I think that's the difference between Queensland Cup and New South Wales Cup is that they've got a lot more first graders. So, you know, it, it may, probably would make the comp strong. But um, because of there's so much in and out, it's not as consistent. Whereas you've got teams in Queensland Cup that might get no blokes back or that might yeah. get, you know, one yeah. bloke back. So it's a lot more a lot more consistent. But, yeah, I think, mate, Jackson Hastings was always a class player. He, he just sort of had some some of his own issues to sort out, I think. And once he did that, he, you know, he's come over there and absolutely blitzed it. So, yeah. so good on him. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Then, then back to Radcliffe in the 2018 Premiership after finishing fifth in the, the season proper and then uh, having a great run through the finals and eventually beating Brisbane East uh, in the grand final. So, um, it was one of those more enjoyable than the other, the 2018 no, over the 2016? I've been asked that a couple of times and it's like, it's really hard to split them. I think, I guess the only, you know, the, the difference for me is um, when I won the comp with Burley, I'd never won a comp before. So it was like, yeah, it was okay. just an incredible experience. And when yeah. I won it, when I won, when I won the comp with Redcliffe, I think I, um, I think I, because I'd won a comp, I valued it a lot more. I knew how hard it was. I knew, I knew that this opportunity would never, you know, it doesn't come around very often. And I, I guess I sort of respect it a lot more. I took the whole week in and I knew how important it was to not let it slip. So yes. two two very different build-ups and different experiences. But, yeah, both of them, I mean, winning a comp at any level, I think I, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't get bored of it. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> so we move forward and you've, um, yeah, unfortunately last year you, you uh, did your knee early in the year. Oh, it was pre-season even, wasn't it? Uh, was it in the trial yes. or at, at training? Well, so after we, the year after we won the comp, I'd, I, um, we were doing pre-season. We did a full pre-season to, to try and defend the premiership. And then I went I went down and um, I played a charity t- touch That's comp, right. which I played, yes. I played every year after my brother passed away when I was yep. at Titans, Manly, everywhere, and I'd never had a problem. Yeah. And I just... Got a little bit too competitive, I think, and I loaded up a right foot step that I didn't come out of. <laughs> With the big tummy, no doubt. Yeah. I can yeah, even absolutely. picture it. The biggest tummy in the game you've got. Yeah. But it works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. so. no, that, that was it, mate. And I, I um, that was that was two weeks before the season. So gave me a full year off and full year in rehab, which I'd never another sort of first for me. I'd never I'd never had surgery and never had a year off. So it was yep. sort of bit different I just got into a completely different mindset rehab mindset when you know you're not playing at all so yep. there's no game to look forward to but you've sort of got a your, your goal then becomes just getting yourself right and getting yourself fit so that yep. was that was a bit different and then and then um yeah got myself back ready for pre-season this year which was me first pretty much yeah our sort of test fitness test on day one of pre-season was my first run back yeah and you were ready to go, and you got one game into the competition, and and the uh, virus hits, and they've they've made a call, you know, in my opinion, pretty early to um, call off the whole whole season at both Intrust Super Cup and the New South Wales Canterbury Cup levels. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that, mate? An early call, or what do you think? Yeah, and it was, I guess, it was a weird one, like like you said, um, to get myself back to the peak fitness, and then it just be pulled away. I we we um. 
we had a meeting, a full meeting, and they, they postponed it back to June 5. And then within a week, they then had gone over the top of that call and canned the whole season. And I found it very weird. I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't justify it myself because why not just wait until, you know, you'd already made the call to, to delay it to June 5. So I don't understand why they came over the top of that and canned it for a full season because they could have just waited, even if they waited an extra month. Um, yep. They would have been in a better position. Even if they did call it off eventually, they would have been in a better position to, to do so. So, yeah. yeah, very weird weird one for me, mate. And I, I don't really – we haven't really been um, – I guess, you know, you see with the NRL, they're all – you know, the players are in talks with the NRL about what's yep. going on, all the financials, all that type of thing. You don't really get that luxury in Queensland Cup because it is probably semi-professional. But, yep. um, you know, I'd love to sort of have a chat to someone to, to, so that we can – understand what's going on like we 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 want to know why it got canned so early we want to know if we're you know are we definitely going to be back next year what's going on we you know we haven't really been told that much so i'd love to love to hear what's we got we got just blokes that just want to play footy like are we gonna can we play local league like no one really knows yeah well that that's a point because they haven't put a a full stop on the Ah. competitions anywhere and like i don't you know i just get the feeling that it was a sacrifice made at second tier to ensure the funds are there for the NRL to go ahead. I, you know, it's just a feeling I've got. And, um, um, but yeah, it was just such an early call that I find it a little bit strange myself. Very strange. We, oh, I found it strange, mate. For we, sure. we may never know the the real reasons why, mate. But I guess they just got to get on with it. But, yeah. But the, the other thing we mentioned earlier, and I, I certainly want to. Um, talk about is it's something I promote to you know young players and you know over, over here I'm looking after the academy at the Huddersfield Giants so I, we, we try and take a, a very holistic approach to coaching these young guys and I you know I've seen the worst of what can happen when there's no life balance and the, you know mental health becomes an issue for players so uh, you know I think you've um uh, overcome some adversity that we've spoken about and you, you seem in a really good spot because it seems to me that you, you've got a, a great life balance at the moment. You, you've got your rugby league stuff going on. Um, you, you've got a young family, um, two two young children, and uh, and you're also doing pretty well in your business, I understand, with image property and then making a go of the, the real estate business. So, um yeah, feel free to, to give the company a plug here, mate. And uh, yeah. do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, your life balance is, is in check, and you seem pretty happy with where you're at at the moment. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And I'd completely agree with you. I, I think it's just one of the most important things, and you don't really understand how important it is until you go through something like that. Like, mate, I think you're to your credit. I think you're one of the best there is at it at actually managing the player and making sure that you're looking after the player as opposed to just caring about the two points. I know obviously it's a very it's a very two points driven game. Like especially with coaching, how cutthroat it is in the NRL. Like, yeah, you know, every everyone's um, very focused on the result, but it is so important. Like, I know you know you you would have learned firsthand working in Mackay, which is a very you know uh, I guess. Well, what would you call it? A isolated area where um, you know you get these kids, and if 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 footy's their only outlet, then um, you know it becomes pretty dangerous when when yeah. things, if their home life and stuff like that isn't isn't the best. So, mate, I I think it's one of the most important things is that work life balance where 
you got to make sure that the players got a really good support base around them. That's number one. I, I was very lucky that I had that. Um, because when I was going through a lot of my bad times, I had a really good support base around me. Um, but then also that they have they have other things in their life. They've got they've got a career they've got a career goal or study goal or something like that where they're actually rugby league. It can't be it can't be the only thing that the kids have because like like I said, it can get taken away so easily. One yep. injury, yep. one coach that thinks that they're not good enough. Like it gets stripped away so so easily for them. So if they're not, if they're not, um, I guess you know if they don't have that work life balance, that's when it becomes a bit of a problem. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said, mate, um, that's that's something that I am in a really good place at the moment. And I don't know, I'd love to have the answer. I'd love to have the answer for other for other players to to let them know exactly what it is, but. Um, for me, it was sort of just time and going through that life experience and stuff like that. that. But yeah, I th- I'll probably say the number one thing is just to, just to have a really good support base around them because you know each player is different. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm sure, mate, going through isolation right now, I'm sure that there's a lot of blokes finding out how good their support base is. Yeah, you know? definitely. That, that's a good point. It's having the ability to, to switch off and focus on something else, but but you need to have that something else to focus on. If you don't have Absolutely. anything else outside of rugby league, then uh, that, that's when it becomes an issue and you start to overthink things and, you know, one knockback uh, in rugby league, if that's the only thing you've got, then it's such a big thing to, to try and cope with. Where if you've got other things you can fall back on and concentrate on, then, you know, the, the knockbacks in one area of your Life don't seem so big, though. And I, um, I, I think I think taking the under twenties, I think taking the under twenties away, I think it. I really believe it's helped because yeah, there aren't players like you see some of the some of the lads like um, I probably Xavier Coates is a really good um, example. He's come out to us that game he played for us round one, absolute yeah. freak. Like he's an eighteen year old kid, fresh yeah. out of high school. He'll he'll have a massive NRL career. Uh, I, I just couldn't rate him any highly as a as an outside back, yeah. but he had he have played twenties right now, he would be the absolute best player that would go for you know he'd be like the next he'd get compared to Greg Inglis and yeah. all these expectations on the kid where yeah. he got thrown straight out into Queensland Cup as an eighteen year old and he shone he shone in, but he's not you know it's because he goes out amongst men he's very grounded he's very yeah. um, humble. He's not getting all these um, expectations and comparisons because for him, the next level is NRL and he's not there yet. So yeah. I feel like taking these young pedestal away from him where they get placed straight into an NRL jersey yep. and get told that that you know they're the next they're the next Greg Inglis or they're the next Billy Slater. I think having that taken away from them, putting them out with men, I, I think it's helped with with a lot of that stuff where I believe young kids. I think more so in the young kids where they feel like NRL is the only thing and then when it gets yeah. taken away from them, it's gone. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that I, – I, I feel like they've probably done an all right job there in in, in terms of – Yeah. I think, it, I think it's better than it was. I agree. I, I, I think the pathway in Australia at the moment is just about spot on. I think uh, the, the infrastructure from, you know, 16s, 18s, 20s at state level, uh, then into the true second tier at either – you know, Queensland Cup or New South Wales Cup and then into the NRL. It's far better than what we had when it was the national 20s and 
that was seen as the, the second tier below the NRL. And like you say, playing in NRL jumpers on on TV in the big stadiums um, yeah. and people are thinking they've just about made it already. And in, in reality, the, at 20, you're still pretty far off from making Absolutely. the big time, in particular mentally. So, yeah, mate, I, I think they've got it right. I see some challenges over here in England. Um, we've still got a way to go to get that pathway right. So, um, yeah, I agree 100%. But we, we just about time to roll up, um, to wrap it up. But I want to just throw a couple of curly ones at you. So, uh, over your time, um, who would you rate, say, the best player you, you've played with? Or against, for that matter. Mate, I'd probably say coming because, uh, you know, I came through this with this bloke um, all the way through schoolboys. He was in all my Queensland teams and um, yeah. played played with him through there. And then obviously um, you've coached him, mate. I'd say Jay Lolo is probably – he's my age and he is just – he is just a freak the whole way through and he still is. He gets better every every year. So yeah. he was probably the best player that I've come through with, played with. Um, for me, though – John, hey, can I? The, it, it went a little bit funny as you you said it was. Did you say Jason Tomalolo? Jason Tomalolo, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And mate, yeah, he's he's just a you know he gets better every year, but he was always a good player coming through the ages. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was always the best in our age group. And um, but other than that, mate, the other JT, I think Jonathan Thurston, he's someone I idolised. And for me to for me to go up and do a preseason um, with him was just was incredible. I just found myself just like starstruck, just you know, yeah. standing next to him and what, yeah. just been able to been able to watch him in pre seasons. I think, um, you know, was was really cool because yeah. you know it's not necessarily what he tells you or anything like that. It's just just being around someone like that, you yeah. just pick up so much. That aura, yeah. Did yeah. you did you get to play a trial game with him at all? No, I didn't. No. Unfortunately, yeah. who was who was in the halves with you in the troll game you played with the Cowboys? Uh Morgs Morgs playing that game? No, I don't. I don't think so. Because I only played. I only played one trial game. So yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember yeah. actually. Um, the biggest pest, mate. Who's who's someone who's just got that. Uh, that constant nagging and uh, making a pest of himself. There's one at every club for sure. <laughs> Biggest pest. Oh, no. Yeah, there is definitely one at each club. I'm trying to think I'm trying to think who sort of relates to me the most because yeah. when I when I was at the Titans, like biggest pest would have to be Nathan Peets, but he was never really a pest to me. I got on absolutely right. great, great with him. Um, <laughs> Dylan Walker. Dylan Walker was a bit of a pest at Manly, but... You know, everyone loves, everyone absolutely loves him, but he was always, he's got that much energy that he's just yeah, always okay. buzzing around at training. And yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to say them too. They're both yeah. very similar, very similar personalities. They're just absolutely full of energy. And on days where you're in preseason and you're about to get absolutely flogged yeah. and you're, you're, you're turning up feeling buggered, they're just flying still. So yeah. Yeah. I'd have to go with them too. Good stuff. All right, mate. Well, we really appreciate your time. I'd, I love the story you've got to tell and, uh, you know, I think young players can take a lot from it and, um, I, you know, I want this show to be a little bit about that and the, the stories behind people and, um, yeah, well, as I said, as um, for the head of the academy here, I'll certainly be encouraging my young players to have a listen in on this and learn a little bit about resilience and uh, 
overcoming adversity, but also, you know, just that positive attitude and, um, you know, despite all those setbacks, you've got that sort of can-do approach to, to everything and you're a winner, right? You go to clubs and, and you make those clubs better and uh, it's pretty hard to question that. So uh, I'll take my hat off to you, mate, and I, I can't wait to see you back on the field again, even though that may be in about 12 months' time now, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Thanks, thanks for having me on, mate. It's always good to chat, and I, I appreciate you having me on. And what, mate? One thing I'd probably say to to any of those young kids, especially with the stuff about you know positive attitude and that type of thing, yep. it's not. It, it doesn't necessarily come naturally. So if you're not, if you don't actually have that positive attitude, there's a lot of education and a lot of stuff. Like I would recommend getting out and reading a book or going to chat to someone that is does have a really positive attitude or good outlook towards life and ask them why like it's yeah. it's more so education and asking questions that can actually help you so that's probably you know a piece of advice that i'd give them give to them as well go and yeah. read a book go and ask questions to someone if you've got a player at your nrl club that you think's got got his shit together go and ask him why because there's more yeah. than more than likely he didn't at one stage but he does now great point mate. you're right it's not always just natural part of your makeup it's like any good thing you need to work hard at it so, yeah, yeah very good point mate all right mate thanks very much good for that good to i chat, will mate. um definitely stay in touch and uh yeah mate i wish you all the best yes yeah, sorry that was cameron cullen and uh another really good interview i enjoyed talking to him and uh you, you sort of get motivated just from talking to these uh, sorts of people and oh. it's, uh, yeah, it's outstanding. I really oh, that. Mate, great work, mate. Really good work. And I declined this interview and I know some people will be thinking, when's Sully going to ask a question? But Cameron gets up really early and yes. <laughs> five, like 5.30 a.m. Queensland time, which yes. is 3.30 a.m. in WA. So, yeah. and, and Kimbo, I don't know what time it was over there with you, but I was very happy for you to do that one and I just yeah. let it lie. Yeah, you need your beauty sleep, there's no doubt. But the funny thing was he was a little bit late to the interview because he, he basically collapsed on his lounge before 5.30. He'd already been up and and um, participated in some fitness challenge he's got going on with his um, workmate over there and uh, had worked that hard that he laid down for a little rest on his lounge and then 20 minutes later realised what time it was. So um, <laughs> the type of character he is, uh, up and about very early, a highly motivated man. But just how good was he, mate? He was yeah, he was excellent. We're, we're getting towards the end of the show, mate, but another new segment for us this week. We're, we're going to um, give you some time here to uh, mm. to unload, to unload Sully. We're going to call it mm. Sully's Soapbox. So um, while we introduce it, mate, just hop up onto the soapbox there. Get ready. Yep. Get on yep. your pedestal. And oh, I'm up. There's one foot. There's the other foot. There you go. I'll hand over to you, Sully Soapbox. Well, I'll tell you what, Kimbo and listeners, I'm not going to do this every week, but I'm just starting to get sick. And I heard it again today, Andrew Johns. Okay, 97, the Knights beat Manly in the grand final. It's been on over here in Australia all weekend, and now the comparisons are being made between... Super League and ARL, we all know that was a, oh, who would have beat who? And now all of a sudden you hear blokes left field carrying on about, oh, when we get back on the field this year, the NRL premiers will be having asterisks next to their name. Well, it's pissing me off. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> who cares? How, how 
doesn't matter if everybody plays each other and they play a full final series and you have a grand was was an asterisk next to their name. What? Because we didn't have 24 rounds when when only you only play half the teams twice anyway. Seriously, still my head in. How could yeah. it be a honestly? How could it be a bloody asterisk? Yeah, it's you're still playing a competition where you play each other once, and in some ways, people say that's fairer because, as I say, they play 24 rounds. You only playing yeah half of them in the second yeah. round, aren't you? Yeah. So, oh mate, that's my soapbox in the moment. Starting to do my head in a bit yeah. because I, I it's agree with you. The question, the only question that would need to be answered there is, is it the opportunity for the best team in the comp to win the comp? And would it be the best team that that wins that competition? And 100%. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and they're counting on about now. How funny today, Nick Politis, the Sydney yes. Roosters chairman, you all know Nick Politis, saying, well, the first two games they played shouldn't be counted. Oh, how many do you win, Nick? Yes. You didn't win one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, please. Yeah, anyway, that's few... my I'll yes. just get back down. Get I'll get back, back down. Yep. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, the blood pressure's up. I'll just get the, yes. I'll just get the nurse to get me a tablet. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's not one of those blue ones, please, mate. No. Oh, no, no, no. That, that <laughs> bloody hell. They, you can't be going there, son. Mind you. I tell you what, everything will stand up if we take one of them. But um, anyway, <laughs> it's that favourite time of the show. And after last week, oh, I tell you what, some people slept well after Kimbo's bedtime story. Here it is. It is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, mate. And then quickly, before we finish, yep. we, we've got to um, recap some of the nicknames that came through. We almost oh, of course, forgot about of that. Of course, but yes. We'll, we'll do that last. Um, it's a good note to finish on. So I'm just going to look into the future. Uh, a little bit here and um, and uh, relate this to the joke. So um, we're all getting over this C19, this COVID-19 thing. And there's a mate of mine who uh, goes to the his local club for uh, a few drinks. He he uh, had the, the C19 and recovered and had his self-isolation and everything. He's gone down the pub for a couple and put a bit of money in the poker machines or the slot machines as we call them over here in the UK. And uh, he's only a couple of dollars in and bells and whistles start going off and he's, he's won the jackpot, yeah, $100,000. The bloke next to him says, oh, man, you, you're the luckiest bloke in the world. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, it's good me luck's changed. I had that damn T19 and now I win this, um, this jackpot. How good's that? Anyway, he collects his check and he walks over to another machine, puts a couple of dollars in. Next minute, the, the bells and whistles again. He's won another jackpot, another $100,000. Just at that moment, you know, the manager walks behind him and says, oh, mate, you're, you're the luckiest man here. He goes, oh, yeah, you know, that, that's two today, unbelievable. Yeah. Got over that illness and now two jackpots in one day, how good this? Goes and collects his check and he goes, oh, I might just try one more just before I walk out. So puts his money in again. And the um he wins another jackpot. Just then the manager's walking behind him and the bloke next to him says, Oh mate, how, how good are you going? You're the luckiest bloke here. And he goes, Oh, you know, I had that C19 before, now a jackpot. And the, the manager walking behind him goes, mate, did you say C19? 
You are the luckiest bloke in the world. You just won the meat raffle as well. <laughs> oh, you can't beat a meat raffle. C nineteen. Lucky ticket. Oh, I love it. I love it, mate. As you said, nicknames last week. We got a few messages through, and just um, we did try the email last week, and might be a bit harder, but just throw some questions on the Facebook. Yeah, Captain's that, Challenge. That's definitely the way to to get in touch with us via the Captain's Challenge Facebook. Uh, get on there and have a look, and yeah, messages on there. The the um, email wasn't as successful. People are too lazy to type an email in. Oh. So make it easy. Get on your phone. Uh, give us some feedback, um, what, whatever you want there. Um, we're, we're happy to take it up on, on the show. Um, I've got a, a couple of good ones. There's a mate of mine back in Melbourne who, who played sport. It wasn't a rugby league. It was actually a cricketer, Sully, who oh. had one arm that was uh, you know, decisively shorter than the other, noticeably oh, right. shorter. So his nickname was The Clock. One, one short arm, one long arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great nicknames ever. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had another one come in. There's a, a guy who played, his teammate was called Samir. S A M I R, Samir. So they nicknamed him Pat. Oh. <laughs> Pap Samir. Pap Samir? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. Well, I think it was real popular with his uh, girlfriend, but it, uh, very nice, Samir. Uh, yeah, if you've got any more, mate, we will take more on and on. We'll just keep that going for another week or two and see if we can get a better response uh, by it. I'll tell you what, you talk about cricket cricket nicknames and, and funny things that happen when you're playing cricket, right? Yep. Rugby league's a bit quicker. I remember one day I was fielding in close yep. and I said to the bloke batting, because the English blokes, they struggled a bit at the bottom order, and I said, hey, mate, mate, there's a bit of shit on the end of your bat. And the blokes looked at me and he, oh, it's a true story. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm like? And yeah. he said, I said, mate, there's a bit of shit on the end of the bat. And he's looked at the bottom of his bat and I said, mate, no, nah, wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> and we got him out. We got him out. We sorted him. <laughs> Broke him down mentally. That's the go. Yeah. Hey, um, well done, mate. Yep. Yeah. Talk to you again, mate. Show number two, done and dusted. Let's see if we can get it up over a, a thousand listeners this week. That'd be great. Share it out there, guys. We will put the link on our website again, probably Wednesday morning at the latest. And yep. uh, like I say, let's see if we can get this listenership uh, even double what we've got this week. That'll be our aim. And, and of course, a big thank you to our sponsors. Yes, thank you. Yes. So, um, Set Play Performance Sportswear. Get your orders in. We're going to be back on the paddock at some point, whether it's your mm. summer sport, hopefully your winter sports back in Australia, over here in the UK. Let's just hope we get back on the field sooner rather than later. Um, set play performance sportswear and trauma rugby league recruitment. We'll have caught up with Luke again um, during the week on, on the phone. Oh, and, good. Uh, um, he's 100% behind us, though, and he's, he's got us over all his uh, social media as well. So any of your rugby league needs, whether you're a player, a coach, or just a fan, Trauma Rugby League Recruitment, they're your go-to man there. Um, Sully's Painting has paintbrush, will travel within the border. Yeah. That's it. At the moment. 
at yeah. the moment. As soon as they open the border restrictions, just yep. get me on a plane. I'm coming to see you. Yeah, he'll bring his paint tin and paintbrush with him. He's ready to go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sully. Love you both, mate. Thank you, everybody. Take yep. care. Bye. See ya. Bye.